Hi everyone, my name's Jude. Welcome to The Monkey Chamber. This is my wellbeing podcast all about grief, depression, the meaning of life, um, mental health and what we can do about those things. Um, Take care, look after your monkeys, enjoy the episode. Okay, I want a nice light-hearted one today. We're going to talk about depression and mental illness and especially in the workplace. So this is basically something I've had in my um, little monkey chamber diary for a little while and I've never really um, approached it. It's quite a big, complicated topic um, and one that I haven't got fully formed ideas on, but I think that's the whole point of it. It's such a grey area, it's such a fuzzy kind of legal area um, and area of morality and area of people's own sort of mental health and sort of decisions they make about things. What I'm talking about, I'll kick off with is I was off work with depression. Um, I was working at a previous office job, and this is probably five or six years ago now. Um, I've kind of lost track of all of the timescales of this, but not long after Vic had been diagnosed with terminal cancer, um, it started to get really difficult to sort of cope with everything. I was finding menial, very small um, tasks and sort of bumps in the road at work. You know, I, I go to phone someone. Um, they're not answering. Um, I go to email them. It says they're out of office till the next day. And I need an answer straight away. So I look up who their boss is and it's out of date. Their boss has already left. And it's one of those things which is, you know, it's not a big deal. You find you find a way around it usually or you make the decision yourself or something. But those kind of bumps in the road, as I call them, were becoming more and more stressful for me. That was coupled with I wasn't managing my life that well in general. I was going to bed way too late. That was a huge factor in it. I wasn't getting exercise wasn't eating well, wasn't keeping my flat tidy. Um, I've gone over all those topics before and how those things can really improve my mental health and keep me kind of on the straight and narrow. And it was like um, a perfect storm of not doing any of those things and working a stressful office job. Well, we were overworked and everyone was stressed anyway in the office. Um, there was a lot of uh, sort of complaints about new processes and lack of sort of clear management and how we were dealing with everything. So all of that together basically meant um, eventually I went to the doctor, um, was given some antidepressants and several times was signed off through stress and depression. Um, and it's a thing that, like I say, some other people in the office um, had various reasons to to also be signed off. And, and it was my first sort of exposure to this whole sort of being signed off phrase. It was It's like this almost euphemism that people, oh, so-and-so has been signed off for two weeks. And that it was always this sort of like I say euphemism for oh that person's mentally struggling but we wouldn't say that we just say oh they've been signed off they come back and you sort of crack on um here's the funny thing though I'd never sort of gone through that system before so I spoke to the doctor and I remember her saying sort of well I I can sign you off work for two weeks and I was like that's a big relief she said would that do you think that'd be about right and I was like I don't know (laughs) um I, I can't it's not like you know, you go to the doctor or you kind of break your leg in the hospital and they say, you say, how long is it going to take? They say, right, well, six weeks, your cast can come off and you have to do some physio exercises for two two months and then you should be back to be able to play football or whatever. And But this is like, they're asking me to diagnose how my mental health will be in two weeks by having a break from work. And I'm like, I've got no idea. What would usually happen is I would then go back to the doctor or give them a call again and sort of speak through things. Sometimes I'd be signed off for further time. Other times I'd go back to work. It would be okay for a bit. I'd, the break would have done me a bit of good. 
and then things would get on top of me again. I wasn't then managing stuff outside of work again very well. And it was this sort of cycle. And I think the sort of being signed off cycle is something that's really common in workplaces. And it sort of touches on the topic I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, the, the whole sort of mental strength thing, because a lot of that was me not coping with the, with the, with the problems I was facing very well. And it was like, I'm, I'm exacerbating this. I'm causing myself to be more stressed and depressed. And it's almost like, at what point do we say that's my fault and I shouldn't be getting paid still for, to be off work? At what point is it, well, that's it's sort of beyond my control. I can't help the situation I'm in. And it's, it kind of bleeds into the whole, um, you know, there's this, this opinion of, um, I don't know, benefit scroungers or people who are, work shy and I think I don't know what the answer is like I said at the start of this it's a really kind of unclear area for me if it was something physical it's it's not that far it's not that different really if it was say someone who's always signed off because they keep getting um ear nose and throat infections or something and you go well they can't help that that's like a a, a problem they've got from birth maybe but some things maybe uh to do with your lifestyle to do with your diet to do with I don't know how how clean you keep your house, or if you've got mold issue or something that you haven't sorted out. And yeah, this is this is really a real sliding scale between I don't know being in a car crash or something where you're right, they, you're you're in the hospital for six months or something. Yeah, you can't really help that. But I don't know. It's just um, how much of it is I don't know. If someone does something that they know is unhealthy and then is off work because of it you still get time off and still get paid but then at a certain point legally i suppose they've got it sorted because at a certain point you you stop getting your full pain and eventually you get sacked don't you but yeah it's um the weird one the really weird one was when i went to a different doctor i think there was sort of a junior doctor in who was covering um i explained the situation i think it's the first time i'd been back there for a little while having having been off work uh, having been back in work for a while told her the whole kind of story from scratch and she was like really shocked about it said oh my god you're going through so much and um yeah I can sign you off how does six months sound (laughs) I was like uh I had this sort of little fork in the road I was like I could just say yes and have six months off but I feel like this is going to backfire because they won't pay me for six months and I I think she's just a bit inexperienced and I was like I usually get two weeks and six months sounds like I'd love it because that's the thing I, the whole time I would have I would love to have not worked at all I would have loved to say I'd have five years please if you can keep paying me for five years that'd be that should just about do it you know and that's the weird thing it's like they're asking me to to pick a number or to diagnose this thing and I'm like you're the experts but they can't get inside my head they can't it's like an invisible illness it's an invisible set of circumstances them I can just describe it as best I can and that's another thing. It's like if you go if you go there and you can't, you're not very eloquent, you're not very good at describing things, it can be really hard. Obviously, that's the doctor's job to tease out the details and kind of play this detective game of working out what's going on. But depending on how I describe it, I'd get a different reaction and stuff. And same with work, actually. Um, finally, on this segment, when I went back to work, so I didn't take the six months. I took, took a couple of weeks off. Um but anyway, when I went back into work at a certain point, a little bit too late, I think, they got an occupational therapist involved. So they would do, they weren't bad, my, my work, but I think they were just, I think it's just a, 
a new area that workplaces are sort of 50 years behind on really and they're sort of gradually catching up but the occupational therapist would sort of say to me okay how can we how can we change things and again it was like for led for me to lead on asking how I'd like adaptations at work I'd say uh, in the end you know I had a, a smaller caseload and some of the more complicated cases would go to a um, a team leader and things like that which it all helped but it was like I'm having to sort of curate this this kind of adapted version of my job while not being in a great mental place anyway I'm tired I'm I'm stressed I'm depressed um I don't want to be there each time I'd go back I'd kind of feel okay though it was like you needed to ask me just the day before being signed off going okay how can we sort this and I'd go yeah like it's way more that was the problem I'd go back and I'd have like a return to work interview with my boss and I'd go yeah I feel all right because I've had a break and I feel like I can tackle all these problems but it's like that's the worst time to ask someone it was funnily enough when I would go to sort of cognitive behavioral therapy he'd say how are you feeling I'm like right now pretty good because I'm here doing this and I feel good about stuff you need to ask me in the middle of the week or later on like so anyway off on a tangent slightly but that was the weird thing the occupational therapist would kind of ask me how I want it changed and I guess they have to a bit because they don't know how to change it but it's the whole thing felt a little bit backwards it felt a little bit I don't think there is an answer. I don't think that I don't think they were particularly bad at it. I just think it's a really weird situation. I think, like I say, maybe in fifty years' time, people will be a lot better at either self-diagnosing these things and sort of asking what they need, or workplaces sort of prompting questions and and identifying and, and spotting people's behaviour and how they can best help them. Um, in the end, I, f- I finished um, with that company. I-, I ended up quitting because it was just rubbish anyway. I'd had enough of it, but it was um, through a combination, really, of, of my struggles with it because of Vic's illness and just generally fed up with the job. But, yeah, it's... Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really blame them particularly. I just think it's an area of society where we're still in the kind of early days of it. We... There's a lot of legal things nowadays about mental illness and mental health, and we're sort of getting there, but we're still some way off. One of the really difficult things that I struggled with when I would phone up the doctor or speak to my bosses at work was trying to differentiate between not being able to face work and not wanting to go to work. And like I said before, there's this whole kind of... um, taboo subject about people on benefits being off work or um, people who are incapable of work because of various disabilities or, or sort of mental illnesses and stuff and it's it, it was impossible for me to decide in my head whether I couldn't cope everything was too much or I just wanted an easy an easy way out a temporary kind of reprieve I don't want to play this game anymore I, I just want to lie in bed and do nothing it's like do I want to do that or do I need to do that which is which is the truth and it was always somewhere in between there was this sliding scale of like every single day I'd like to be able to do nothing and just chill out but that's because I've got this kind of natural laziness and it's that it's that trying to pick the easy option you know but it's not good for you and I think that's that's maybe the difference is like when you're sort of feeling strong and feeling awake and and energized and well-fed and exercised and everything you can be an adult and you can go right I don't really necessarily want to do this job today but it's good for me I'll get some money I'll I'll get out and 
and I can cope with it. You know, it's all fine. I'll see some people and it'll probably be quite good, actually. You know, it doesn't seem good right now, seven o'clock in the morning on a cold winter's day or something, but I know it's good for me. It's fine. I can face it. And it's not even a discussion in your head. It kind of just happens. When it's the complete opposite of that, then I'd sort of go, well, do I just not want to go in or can I actually not face it? When I go in, is it, is it going to be overbear, over overwhelming and kind of just not cope with this? And and that was a a really hard thing to kind of work out. Like I say, it was always somewhere between the two of them. But what I have learned is that the time I would spend out of work, I'd have these couple of weeks off. Lots of the time I'd um, go around to uh, Vic's where she was living um and play minecraft with her niece for like 12 hours straight or something it's a good game but it gets a bit boring it's not really that fulfilling um that's not i find now there's not many computer games are really but i'll do that a lot and it was i would kind of spiral down into like a worse depression i think by just being inactive um sitting around a lot not getting out and getting fresh air not speaking to people um not doing anything to kind of progress the situation and it would kind of get to a, a really bad point and then eventually i'd sort of have this kind of spring clean where i'd i don't know you know have a shave put a new t-shirt on tidy the flat a little bit and try and get myself ready to sort of get out of the slump um and one of the things i noted in my um monkey chamber book of many notes um is that like work feeds the soul and i think it is true that it doesn't have to be work necessarily it could be you know, someone who's retired and they just need a purpose you need something to get up for and do every day and create routine pushes you out of your comfort zone a bit gets you out of that rut means that you socialize with people means that you go out and, and sort of partake in the world means that you have to go to bed at a certain time because you're going to be up the next morning you have to make maybe difficult phone calls that again put you out of your comfort zone they make you learn they make you interact with people um they also get your money you know these jobs you kind of need money to to work um again that's the whole sort of thing about you know you're you're selling your soul a little bit you're kind of whoring yourself out for use of a better phrase to get money sometimes but you know every job is is a (laughs) is is that You're, you're trading your time and your effort and your intellect for money and that's kind of how the world works but when you're feeling overwhelmed, you feel really bad about that. You feel like, I don't want to do this. I feel really, I feel like I'm sort of selling myself to the devil a little bit. When you're feeling fine, you just, you just crack on with it. You know, it's, it's how the world is. You can, you can then use all your leisure time. It's the funny thing is the, the more, the harder you're working and the more, the more hours you're working even, the more you treasure that leisure time and really kind of maximize it. I think if you're out of work for a long time, your day-to-day nine-to-five slot of your day and then the evenings and the weekends, they all blur into one and you don't treasure those three times where everyone else is then around to do stuff so yeah going to work is it is really good for you it, it it puts you out your comfort zone it makes you do all of those things that you would otherwise probably avoid or i would anyway um ideally you can find a job that you don't hate <laughs> that you actively like and that's the dream for everyone i think but even sometimes just doing jobs that aren't that fun is i think if you're in the right place outside of work you can go in there and you can cope with it and you can actually find joy in it you can make friends there if you're doing a horrible rubbish job i've done really menial like data entry kind of jobs um where there's n- it's like mind-numbingly boring put pressing a one or a zero to say whether a tick was in a box or not on a um questionnaire for like 12 hours straight but i went there with my mate doing it we play sort of games on the side guessing games you know 20 questions and stuff like that to make the time pass 
play little games of, I don't know how quick you can fill out one of these questionnaire sort of validation things or whatever. And it was fine. You know, I look back quite fondly on that job because, you know, we'd, we'd make it fun. Um, but yeah, anyway, work feeds us soul. It's, um, it is good for you, even if you don't think it is. I think related to being off work with depression, which I you know, haven't been for a long time now, I feel really good. And I, I don't ever see myself going back to that kind of mental state. But the thing that it kind of shines a spotlight on is that I think when you go through hard times like that, it really exacerbates issues or blind spots that we've always had, you know, disorganization or being ill-disciplined and anxious about things, um, not being able to be mindful and, and worrying about, say money for the future or something they're sort of issues i've always had but they they're just kind of get away with them you know just kind of go well yeah they're there but i'm sort of just ignoring them and not having to face those things um something really big and catastrophic suddenly happening in your life it just exacerbates all of those things and like i say shines a spotlight on them and suddenly makes them all very real and all very um debilitating I don't, I wouldn't say, I, <laughs> obviously the situation, I would never wish it on myself or anyone, but it, it's highlighted those things for me and kind of going, right, you need to fix these issues. You can, you can't work around them anymore. I mean, you can, but you just have an unfulfilling, unsatisfying, unhappy life. And yeah, I don't need to, I don't need to dwell on this part. I don't think, but I think it's just, I've always been aware of these sort of aspects of my personality. And then the last few years is, has made me kind of go yeah I can I can just carry on with them and leave them and it'll piss me off the rest of my life and it'll mean that I don't fulfill my potential I mean I I generally will just be unhappy if I just don't sort these issues out so it's um yeah there's silver linings I guess while I'm talking about the fun topic of depression I think it's um useful to say as well I think it's something that I've kind of behaviorally always tended towards anyway before um Vic's illness I think what would happen is I would have any kind of stress in my life um and my reaction to it would be a what I would deem a kind of childish or you know monkey type reaction to things where I would um hide away make things become a lot bigger make a mountain out of a molehill and then eventually face it sort of the night before I had to, to sort that out or something and it's very unhealthy and um not a good way to sort of tackle life in general but also just I think I've, I remember a time um I had a, a rubbish job I was walking home from work and just felt completely worthless and lost and this kind of realization I think I was like early 20s I think I was with Vic, but I just felt completely, it might have, might have not been actually, I think I probably before I'd met Vic and we got together, I was, just had this sudden, is this my life, is this it, like what the fuck am I doing, and yeah, I think it's it's one of those things, it's, I don't know if it runs in the family, but I've, I've, I've found, um, I think, I think I kind of knew this before, but I found out like, either one or both sets of my grandparents had depression and had, um, you know, medication for it and stuff. And it was like this, I think I've, I think I'd been told it. I think my parents had mentioned it before, but I was like, Oh yeah. And never thought much of it. It's the same where, um, a family friend of ours, you know, as an adult, someone said, Oh, by the way, he's, um, 
can't remember autistic or Asperger's, but, you know, it's, it's all sort of part of the same spectrum, just being diagnosed, you know, a few years ago. And I was like, oh, my God, that makes everything make sense. It makes his behavior make sense. It makes um, everything I've ever known about this guy suddenly kind of slots into, oh, that makes sense now. And the same with the depression thing. I think it's one of those terms that until you've kind of gone through it and faced it and understand it from from within, you just kind of go, oh, yeah, OK. And it just you just gloss over. It. You just kind of don't even think about it. Um, but yeah, I think I've, I've kind of been mulling this over recently and it's something which I think in my family, it's a probably a behavioral, um, something is like, I haven't learned ways to cope with life or, or I've, or I have picked up sort of behaviors from people or something, but it's, um, yeah, something which I think I was almost sort of tended towards anyway, um, hiding away from the world a little bit if it got stressful i remember um when i was with vic um feeling really stressed about life in general feeling really um fed up with the job i was in then and we went to i think it was reading festival and i basically just ruined the whole experience i might have even talked about this before in the podcast but i was in a grump all day fell out with her ruined it ruined the thing and remember like that night lying in bed with her and sort of just crying about feeling completely not in control of my life feeling like I'd have these dreams where like I was driving a car I don't even think I could drive at that point you know I was I was really um not <laughs> not doing that well in life um and I have these these dreams about being out of control of this car you know trying to put the brakes on or trying to steer it and nothing and it wasn't working and that was you know I don't need it to be an expert dream interpreter to work out what that means about feeling out of control of my life and like it was just running away with me and I didn't have any kind of agency over what I was doing in my life um and I think that was like I don't know whether it was a depression or a stress or whatever you want to sort of label it as but it you know it was already there before she I think obviously she'd had primary breast cancer but she was kind of through that bit and we were just getting on with life and it wasn't actively impacting our lives at that point but I was still exhibiting some of these sort of behaviors already so yeah that was that was it really it was just um I think maybe certain people what they're born with what they learn or whatever it's kind of more likely to kind of be affected by this and um knowing that it's kind of maybe just in there as part of my personality is like being self-aware really I think I can spot it much much quicker this time I think the last sort of month or so with the weather sort of getting colder and things changing a bit I've got some sort of some some things I need to do sort of before Christmas and it's just you know it's quite overwhelming I'm trying to still trying to fix fix up the the podcast room and there's lots of challenges with that that I didn't foresee I could see myself sliding into this kind of slump again and I did for probably a couple of weeks didn't do didn't do the washing up for a bit and I'd stopped doing yoga I've just started the day um, yesterday even um, and hope to keep that up again because it's so good for me I needed to anyway my body was really knackered um but yeah, I can being aware of it and being aware of those behaviours myself and knowing that it's always going to be there. It's like, oh, I haven't fixed it. I just need to be aware of it and spot it a lot earlier and then try and stamp stamp it out and do the things that I know are good for me. And sometimes, like like the last few weeks, it takes me a little bit longer to kind of go, right, click my fingers and, and snap out of it. Sometimes I go, okay, just, just, roll, just roll with it. Just kind of let it happen a bit and then fix it and then and then know what I need to do to fix it. Right, I'm going to 
finish here, I think. Um, the final point I was going to make was just about um, about depression and these small challenges feeling huge, just like I mentioned at work, you know, trying to call someone who's not there or something. And I've put in my notebook, I've linked that with the cold showers that um, I'd been taking over the summer. I'm still doing those. I'm not always doing cold baths as much as I was. Um, and I haven't been going in the sea as much. I'd like to sort of get back into doing that, but it's it's very cold at the moment. <laughs> it really is. Um but yeah, anyway, I was sort of linking those two things in the cold showers and basically it's these it's these minor um things to overcome. It's this little win every day that I do. Um and I've kind of retained that. I've held that okay, things are difficult, but I can still achieve this thing. And it's these small achievements mean that other bigger issues they still don't feel great they still feel like oh god that's horrible and i've got this mental block towards doing it it feels like this big hurdle to overcome but by building up that kind of that armory of i've done this for a year now i've done this for say my runs that i do i've done that for two or three years now and every time i don't feel like doing it i go i can draw on that well of i've i've got this um history of being able to do it i know i can do it and it won't feel quite as big as as the last time um so yeah i think just building up whatever it is for you if you've got something else if you don't want to do cold showers or you don't want to do run or whatever if you've got something that you kind of do and it's a it's a discipline that you do and you do it even when you don't like to i think you can really draw on that at other times when stuff comes along that isn't isn't a choice you kind of you kind of just you can tackle it more readily you can go into that place if i don't want to do this but i'm just going to get it done and lots of the time it isn't that bad. You know, so many times I've kind of got, oh, I've got to clean the bath or something. I start doing it and it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of therapeutic. Um, it's kind of mindful. So, yeah, anyway, that's one little way which um, I've tried to build up my resilience and um, ways to tackle life, you know, issues, maybe financial issues, whatever. I'm trying to make myself just go, right, just do it. Take the plunge. You know, hold your breath and jump in um, by building up this kind of this real sort of history of okay i've done this for three years now so i can do these other things i don't necessarily think about it mentally every time but i think it just creates a different mindset towards tackling problems that you don't want to do anyway i will leave it there thanks for listening everyone i'll catch you next time take care mm-hmm.